He was bold, fresh, out of the box, different than most, but he was God's man for the hour. And that's what we're exploring today as we close out the week here on Way of Grace. Samson, a man chosen by God for such a time as this. Hi there, and welcome to our Friday broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan from Grace Bible Church in Hayward and online at grace-bible.com. Well, today, as we close out the week, we do so once again in Judges chapter 15, verses 11 through 20. It's a message that Pastor Jesse has simply entitled, Samson, I Thirst. And we are looking at those shadows found in the life of Samson that point us directly to Christ and the cross, and an empty tomb, a risen Savior, and our salvation. Here's Pastor Jesse. Let me go on to the fight, because I think I, I argued my point. Subpoint B, his suffering is short-lived. You and I know very momentarily the bands were broken, and now we got a brother in a fight, don't we? We got a brother in a fight. Would you look at verse 15, uh, verse 14? And when, and when he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And the cords that were upon his arms break as flax that was burnt with fire, and his bands loose from off his hands. Look at verse 15. And he found a new jawbone of an ass. It's time to fight. And so what you and I are looking at now is language in the context of what we call narrative theology. And you have to have a sanctified understanding to understand the inferences. How is it that this brother is in a certain place in a conflict with his adversaries? The ropes are loosed supernaturally and he looks to the right and finds the jawbone of an ass. Except we believe in the sovereignty of God, that God is providential in his ability to allow you to get in trouble, get you out of trouble, and then equip you to fight the good fight of faith. We believe that, don't we? Stay right here. A few things to learn. Stay right here. See, God's not going to let you get in trouble and not get you out of that trouble. And God's not going to not equip you with everything you need to fight this battle. He's going to help you put on the whole armor of God. In fact, the armor of God is God himself. Every one of the armor articles is a promise of God. And God's promising to fight your battles for you and with you and through you. So look at how convenient it is. This brother reaches over and grabs the jawbone of an ass. Now here we have the New Testament motif of the foolishness of preaching by which God subdues his foes. Samson now is empowered by the spirit of God. He doesn't find a sword. He doesn't find a spear. He finds the jawbone of an ass. He's going to take whatever in front of him and just start going to, again, whipping some tail like a good country tail whipping gets done using whatever is in front of him. Is that right? 
Listen to what is said. Now watch this. He found a new jawbone of an ass, put forth his hand and took it and began summarily kicking butt. That's a good movie. Is that a good movie? I was wondering how long did it take? How long did it take? One brother ran through a thousand men. Now again, in your Bible, the number 1,000 is a clean round number. It is to be understood symbolically of the fullness of the enemy being defeated. Do y'all understand that? I've taught many of you guys that. It's not to be understood literally. It could have been 999. It could have been 1,010. The Bible gives you clean numbers all the time. And Samson wins this battle. It's such a beautiful truth. He slew a thousand men. Now listen to what the Bible says in uh, Leviticus chapter 26, verse 5 through 8. This is under point number three, what one man can do. What one man can do. Told you I'll go down the street with Samson any day. Would you? I'll go down the street with David any day. I'll go down the street with Ruth any day. Rahab any day. Give me some sisters that know how to get down, get down. Some brothers that know how to get down. I'm speaking spiritually, just in case you don't know. Okay? Just, just get. But then, you know, if it's physical, we're going to still do that too. Sister girl, take your shoes off. You got high heels on and throw them at that fool. Let's get down. This is going to be... Um, Leviticus number, uh, verse 20, now I'll start here. And uh, let me start at verse 3, because here's a promise that's leading up to it. You need to know it. Leviticus 26, 3. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and what? Do them. Verse 4, let's keep moving. Notice what it says. Then I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Is that called being blessed of God? When you walk in his ways, he will bless your vineyard. He goes on to say, verse four, then uh, verse five, and your threshing shall reach unto the vintage and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time and you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safety. This is talking about the fullness of God's grace in Christ given to you and me when we walk in obedience to him. Do some of y'all know what I'm talking about? Do you know how God can bless you imminently when you do what he tells you to do? And it's a picture of the fullness of Jesus Christ and our enjoying his fullness as we obey him. God can give you way more than you even need when you walk in obedience to him. Now, when he does that, you got to learn how to give it away. But here's what the point is. Now we're over in verse six, Leviticus 26, six, and I will give peace in your land. See, we need peace. And I will cause you to lie down and none shall make you afraid. We're dealing with fear and anxiety today, are we not? And God's saying, I promise I'll give you peace. I'll promise I'll give you calmness. I'll give you serenity and I'll bless your hands. I'll bless your fields. Isn't that what you want? But you got to obey God. Now watch this. Even when God blesses you with all that stuff, are you ready? You still got some fools to fight. Have y'all figured that out? You got a raise in your paycheck and then you get more enemies. Here it is. Watch it. Watch it. Notice what it says. And you go back to verse 26. because I want to run up on that. Uh, Verse six, rather. And I will give you peace in the land and you shall not be afraid. And I will rid evil beasts out of the land. Neither shall the sword go through your what? And God says he will do this. God says he will do this. Now watch this. 
Now that he has taken care of the equilibrium in the ecosystem, so now the beasts of the field are not devouring everything that you have, so you have a nice ecosystem of food and goods and covering and wealth and peace and joy. Notice what he says next, verse 7. Here it is. And you shall chase your what? You shall chase your what? So all of God's people have enemies. You with me? Give me a few more minutes. See, some of you think that because you have enemies, you are out of the will of God. That couldn't be further from the truth. Now, if you think about verses one through verse six, here is a logical deduction you can draw from that. When God blesses you in such a prolific and visible way, you're going to have people who envy you. You're going to have people jealous of you. You're going to have people who are going to want to take what you have. Am I making sense? That's the world you live in. That's the world. See, that's the, that's the uh, trade-off for prosperity. Folks will want to take what you have. And guess what God says? I will give you wisdom and might and strength to chase your enemies. Now, that's important. That's very important because whether you know it or not, when God blesses you, he also calls you to the responsibility of preserving what you have. Am I making some sense? Stay with me now. So get away from the money thing. I know y'all prosperity preaching people. Get away from the money and look at it in the non-tangible sense. Look at the prosperity in the area of relationship. Are the area of family, domestic, domestic prosperity, in the area of our kids, our children, people we love, right? If the enemy knows that we have been influential in the lives of those people that are around us, will he not want to stop that influence? Y'all listening to me? And for God to give you an of grace to be able to see the enemy and chase him down is nothing but the goodness of God. There are a lot of implications in this proposition. And you shall chase your enemies instead of your enemies chasing you. And they shall fall before you by the sword instead of you falling before their sword. Now here we'll make a mapping application to the New Testament. For us, the sword is the word of God. It's the spirit of truth. It's the gospel of the grace of God. It's us being in Christ and Christ being in us. And it's the message of peace that we preach and the message of God's lordship that we preach, which is a sword against the world. Am I making some sense? Now notice what it says. It's a beautiful truth. You shall chase an enemy. They shall fall before you by the sword. Verse eight. And five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred shall put to 10,000 to flight. Do you see that? And your enemy shall fall before you by the sword. What one man and what one woman can do. What one man and what one woman can do walking in confidence before God. Are y'all listening to me? See, because this system is telling you that you can't do it. God is saying all I need is one. And I'll handle a thousand. Now he can handle 10,000 or a hundred thousand. But boy, those odds are good. Are they not? You wake up one day and you got adversaries because you're trying to love and serve God. And God says, all right, sister. All right, brother. We're going to fight against a thousand people today. And I'm going to use you to speak a word that's going to completely unravel all of their machinations against me. 
And can God do that? Can God give you wisdom, give you understanding, give you insight, give you resources so that you become the man or the woman in that moment to speak truth to power and break down the systems of this world? You don't believe it, do you? No, you don't believe it. God can do it. And God has done it many, many times. God can do it. And God has done it many, many times. The Lord can save with few or many. The Lord can do it. What a promise. And, and guess what? Our brother Samson is rejoicing in this, is he not? Go back to the text. I'm done, but I'm just going to milk this out. Go back to the text. I just want you to see this. Few applications, Judges 15. And Samson, with the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heap. And Samson said, this is verse 16. And Samson said, with the jawbone of an ass, Heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of an ass, I have slain a thousand men. What is Samson doing? He's singing and rejoicing of the victory that God has given him. Y'all keeping up with me? Y'all keeping up with me? Brother Samson wasn't going to lose this moment to show how much he appreciated how God came through. I told you he's an enigmatic brother. See, this is the first line in a beautiful rap repertoire. Did you know that? Yeah, you can pick up right here and drop some real good lines, can't you? Is God able to give a man the ability to destroy a thousand with the jawbone of an ass? Surely he is. Let me teach you some gospel truth. Lehi is a mountain upon which Samson was on, right? Lehi. Lehi. Lehi is a Hebrew term that literally means cheek, cheek, cheek. The jawbone of an ass is a cheek. It was a cheekbone. Y'all got that? And historically, the idea is that many, uh, many asses or donkeys traversed this hill and some of them would die there. And in dying there, you have conveniently a donkey or an ass that his body is decomposing, but not so much as to the text not saying that he found a new jawbone of an ass. Do y'all see that? A new jawbone of an ass, which means this particular jawbone still had moisture in the marrow of the bone. And some surmise that not only did it have marrow, it had some sinew and some blood on the bone because it was a new jawbone. It don't take long for a body to decompose and the bones to dry up and become brittle. Anybody keep it up with me? I'm going somewhere because the ropes were new. Brand new ropes that they tried to use on him and it didn't work. And the jawbone came from God and it was new. And I remember a man who was buried in a new tomb. Do you? His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was buried in that new tomb because he fought a battle by the grace of God when he hung on Calvary's tree. When he hung on Calvary's tree, he fought a battle for which when it was done, they laid him in a borrowed tomb, a brand new tomb, because that tomb wouldn't be used by anybody but the God man. That tomb would never, ever see corruption. It would never, ever see the moisture dry up because on the third day, Jesus rose again from the dead and the angels moved the stone back and Jesus walked out, left all of his grave clothes there. That grave never saw corruption because it was a picture of the death of our sins and the death of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And as he walked in liberty, so we walk in liberty. I'm not done. Samson is fighting a battle with the jawbone of an ass, the cheeks of an ass. Now, your Bible tells you that generally cheeks are those that are smitten by the enemies of God. It was Micaiah the prophet that had told Ahab who tried to run up on Jehoshaphat and tell him, man, let's go out to war. And I need you to act like me because I don't want the enemy to see me. Jehoshaphat was one of them stupid, undiscerning Christians, you know, thinking you could hang out with with religious folk who are unprincipled. And yet the enemy got Ahab anyway. You guys remember that? Micaiah had prophesied concerning the 400 prophets that were sitting around Ahab's cabinet. He said concerning them, these 400 prophets have received a lying spirit from God to persuade you to go to war so you could die. And then one of those fools ran up on Micaiah and smote him on his cheek. Are you hearing me? And they did the same thing with the apostle Paul in Acts chapter 24 when the high priest came along because Paul had preached the resurrection of Christ. Do you remember that? Now, Paul still had a little carnality in him. He said, God will smite you, you white wall sepulcher. You know, Paul had some heat in him. (laughs) But there's a man 2,000 years ago who was headed to Calvary whom they smote too. They smote him on his cheek. What's his name? That's Micah chapter 5, verse 1. Listen to it. Micah chapter 5, verse 1. I'm almost done. Micah 5, 1. Now gather yourself in truth. This is Armageddon talk. O daughters of truth, he hath laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel. Now, who is the ultimate judge of Israel? Is Samson the judge? Yes, he is. Watch this. They shall smite the judge of Israel. It's talking about his death on Calvary, isn't it? Watch this. With a rod upon the what? Cheekbone. Now listen carefully. The cheekbone is the apparatus by which you speak. When your jaw is broken, your mouth is shut. When they smite you on the cheek, they're telling you to shut your mouth because your mouth is the vehicle by which God is glorified in the preaching of the gospel. If the enemy can smite you on the cheek and break your jaw, then you cannot declare the good news of the grace of God in Christ. You cannot preach the forgiveness of sins by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You can't proclaim propitiation by his blood if your jaws are broken. The goal of the enemy is to censor your mouth so that you don't speak for his glory. Am I making some sense? Shut up is what they say to us. Shut up. Now, again, the enemy loves to mimic God, doesn't he? So he smites us on the cheek. But guess what? Samson found the jawbone of an ass. The very thing that was supposed to be smitten now becomes the instrument of smiting. And I'm here to tell you the Lord Jesus Christ, though he was smitten by him being smitten, he has smitten our enemy and shut his mouth and destroyed our foes by his battle on Calvary. Does that make some sense? Listen to it now. Listen to it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I want you to get this. And as the theologians put it, they said he didn't get a dry bone. He got a moist bone a moist jawbone, and it had blood on it because it's moist. 
Even if these are micro droplets, will you hear me? It is the blood atoning work of Christ in the jawbone that's smiting our enemy and putting him to death by the blood and righteousness of the one who was slain for our sin. See, this is the paradox of the gospel. The preaching of foolishness is the wisdom of God that brings men and women into salvation because they experience the power of the world trying to destroy, bind, shut up Jesus of whom they could only do it for three days. On the third day, he rose again. And for another 40 days, he bore record everywhere that the grave could not hold him. He was loosed by the decree of God, and he went around affirming his bodily resurrection. Then he ascended on high. And on Pentecost, he poured out the third person. And the third person is always present in your life to let you know two things. Are you ready? The first thing the third person reminds you of is Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. You can't have the third person without the second person having already accomplished eternal redemption. Whenever the third person shows up, he's letting you know Christ has paid for our sins. Did y'all get that? How many of you guys know the presence and power and fullness of the Spirit in your life? How many of you know the presence and power and fullness of the Spirit of God in your life? If you do, it's because Christ died for your sins rose again the third day, ascended on high, and he sent the paraclete to help you get through this crazy world. And so some days the paraclete is going to be teaching you, and on other days he's going to be helping you fight because that's the nature of the conflict in this world. That's the nature of the conflict in this world. And I love it. Here's the last point. This brother finishes this battle And notice what he says. Look at what he says over in verse, going back to our text, verse 17, 18 is somewhere there in our last point. Notice what he says. This is the last point in our, in our text. This is where he finishes the battle. I'm at verse uh, 17. Notice what he said. I've slain a thousand men. And it came to pass when he had made an end of what? He cast away the jawbone out of his hand. And he called the place there uh, Ramath Lehi. And here is the place of the jawbone. That's literally what it means, the place of the jawbone. Now, Samson points to Jesus, but Samson is not Jesus. Whenever you're dealing with Old Testament typology, already, always be ready to see a fault in the analogy because the picture can never make up what the person is ultimately given to do. Am I making some sense? Right, now watch this. This brother throws the jawbone away because he feels like all the jawbone was good for was fighting. But what God's about to let him know and let you and I know is that the very mechanism by which we fight the battle is also designed to quench our thirst. The very mechanism by which we fight the battle is also the mechanism by which we quench our thirst. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is our battle fought and won, but it's the very same gospel that quenches our soul. The source of the third person represented by the water comes out of the second person represented by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. 
So he's calling on God because he has just fought the battle. This takes us back to the beginning of our message. And what did I say? How do you know you're in the struggle? You're thirsty. Blessed is everyone that hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 6.30. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 6.30 in the evening Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace Bible. Dot com or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible, and again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan.